Well, this morning, uh, just for a few moments, I would like us to have a think about two symbols, uh, which are symbols that we associate with this time of year. The first one is very strange. The second one probably feels very normal that we don't even give it a second thought, but is also worth a brief reflection. And um, if we could have the slide on the screen, please, Janet, that would be great. The first one, of course, is one of these things. Um, I'm sure it's familiar to most of you after all these years. If you've not seen one before, it's a Christingle. Uh, and as you have probably picked up a little bit later on this morning, we're going to be having our Christingle service here at St. Luke's. Uh, and there'll be various of our younger members helping with different parts of that service. It's one of those services, I think, which tells us that Christmas is very much on the way. Uh, but I did think, well, it would be a shame for those who come at 8.45 to completely miss out on the fun. I'm sorry that if you want to make one of your own, you'll have to come again uh, and join in for a second service this morning. Um, but at least here is a, a flavour of what we're thinking about. Um, when we st If you've seen these for many years, we're kind of used to them, aren't we? But it is odd, isn't it, when you stop to think about it? I mean, what is going on there exactly? It's a strange object. But essentially, it's a reminder, isn't it? We've thought quite a lot about reminders in our, our talks on 2 Peter over the last few weeks uh, and how some of us may use calendars to remember things uh, or diaries. Some of us set timers on our phones so that we don't forget something particularly important. When I first started teaching, my head of department, who it's fair to say back in the early 90s was quite old school, even in those days, tied a knot in his tie when he had to remember something. And some days he'd end up with about three knots down his time. I've no idea how he ever remembered to do any of it, or indeed if he did. Um, but a Christingle is a reminder. That's why this um, set of slightly incongruous things has been gathered together uh, into one item. And so let's just think about the different elements uh, of what the Christingle is. First of all, the orange uh, is there, of course, to remind us of the world that God created. That's what the orange is all about. It's round, it's big, and it's juicy. Um, but the world, of course, is so much more complex and so much more varied than that. Uh, and it's a world which didn't just happen. That is our claim and our belief as Christians, isn't it? That the world is there because it has been formed by our Creator. Um, that verse in Revelation chapter 4 is quite a good one uh, to help us remember this and understand it. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. That's the orange. Um, but then we've got uh, these cocktail sticks and on them, well, it's pretty generous this year, actually. I thought it used to be um, several raisins and one sweet on the end. But um, the one I've been given here, I don't know if it's going to be like all the ones which go out later on, has one raisin or maybe two on each stick and at least three sweets. So somebody's going to be pretty happy to have this Christingle, I would think, later on. Uh, and, I mean, there's more than one theory about exactly um, what the cocktail sticks represent. But essentially, it's God's good provision of the things that we need. Uh, and it's been said that the reason for having four sticks is to represent the four seasons of the year and the way that God provides for us in spring and summer, in autumn and in winter. He's not just the God who creates. He is the God who sustains, the God who provides and who is good to us. As Jesus said himself in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. 
and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The third part of the Christingle uh, is the candle. I'm not going to light this one just now. Uh, we'll be going through the, the health and safety nightmare, uh, the annual health and safety nightmare in church in a couple of hours' time as we try and carefully position people and allow them all to light their Christingles at once and stand still while we sing a carol. Um, it's always the one which makes the church wardens feel nervous. Um, but of course, the candle is there to remind us that into the world that God created, a world which in, in so many ways is a world in darkness, isn't it? Um, and Advent is a season which particularly reminds us of the darkness in which we find ourselves. Jesus comes as the light of the world. Now, we've just read about that in John chapter 1. It's one of the themes which John's gospel particularly picks up on in the things that Jesus says and in the things that John says about him. Uh, another verse which helps us to understand that is John chapter 8, verse 12 here, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In uh, South Africa, where Claire and I lived for a few years, Christmas was a slightly strange experience. I don't know if there's anybody here who's lived in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, but if you've either lived there or spent some time there at this time of year, of course, it's Christmas and it's barbecue weather. And uh, I mean, certainly in Johannesburg, where we lived, it was the middle of the long summer holidays. And we would celebrate Christmas with those who were still around. And then pretty much everyone would head off to the beach uh, for a week or two on holiday. And yet at the same time, uh, and this is all about kind of cultural history and stuff, people would gather to sing In the Bleak Midwinter and various other carols which pick up on all of those things. There was, there's one suburb famously in Johannesburg which celebrates Christmas in July as well. And I think that's mostly a commercial thing to have a chance for a Christmas fair, but at least it's a chance to do it when it's cold and a little bit darker. I say that because there is something quite wintry about what we're celebrating at Christmas. I don't think it's an accident. We don't know, of course, when Jesus was born. But I don't think it's an accident that the church in the Northern Hemisphere set December the 25th as the date to celebrate his birth. Almost the darkest day of the year, right in the middle of winter, when those nights have closed in. And it's appropriate, not because you know, there was actual snow in Bethlehem on that first Christmas. Who knows? Almost certainly not. But because Jesus is the light of the world, come to shine in the darkness, as John says, as we've just heard, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, with Mary and Joseph, faced some dark, hard days. But he is the light who shines. And so we celebrate Christmas, uh, Christmas 2023, in this dark world, don't we? Um, but we do it holding on to the light of life, those words that Jesus said. Uh, and then last of all, although we have to put it on in a different order, and I'm going to have to work out how to do it at, at, at 10... 25, because it's quite hard to start sticking ribbon onto one when you've already got your cocktail sticks and your candle in place. Uh, but we have the ribbon, and of course the ribbon is red, uh, and it is there to remind us of Jesus' blood. It's one of those pointers which takes us from Christmas to Easter. And I'm always quite, see, quite keen that we celebrate Christmas at Christmas. Uh, the, the riches of the incarnation, uh, the miracle that the Son of God became a human being. And we don't run off too quickly to remembering what happened at Easter. 
And yet at the same time, they are, of course, tied together, aren't they? Easter is the reminder of how God saved his people, how he rescued his world. Um, Christmas is the reminder of what it cost him to come from heaven into earth to do that. And so Peter, in his first letter, we've been reading his second letter these last few weeks, says to us, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Well, that's the Chris Dingle. Um, I'm going to pop it there. Of course, the other thing about Chris Dingles is they only stand up properly if you slice the bottom of them and put them on a plate, but then the juice starts leaking everywhere. There's all, it was a great idea. There's all kinds of flaws in the idea as well. Um, Janet, if we could um, get rid of um, those slides and, um, and put the second ones on, that would be brilliant, if you don't mind. Um, our symbol this morning that we're kind of centering on is the Chris Dingle. And by the way, that photograph um, was taken in my living room uh, just before Christmas 2020. Some of you were probably not there, um, but present. It's when, uh, it was when we had a lockdown going on and we had to have our Chris Dingle service online. Anyone remember that one? I don't know if you took part in that one at all. Um, that was uh, that's uh, I can't remember, I don't know which three members of my family having just made our Chris Ingalls and we were there with them um, with an iPad in front of us and watching various others on Zoom who'd made their Chris Ingalls uh, from around Thurnby. What a sad occasion that was, um, and yet what a symbol of the light shining in the darkness. That's by the by. Um, the other great symbol of Christmas is the Christmas tree. Uh, I don't know if you've got one up in your house at the moment. Here's mine. Uh, at the moment, um, which is looking resplendent in our living room. We've got one, of course, behind me here. That's not a real one, um, which is quite a, a helpful thing to have in church. Um, I don't know. Who's got a Christmas tree already? Anyone got a Christmas tree up? Okay. Keep your hand up if you've got a real Christmas tree. Got a few who are holding out for a real tree in church this morning. And, of course, we've got a real one outside church, um, with, um, with thanks to Cole's Nursery and to, to Russ and Julie and Ali for getting it up for us and uh, making it look so beautiful, especially at night when the lights are twinkling. The thing about a Christmas tree um, is, of course, it's, I mean, all it is really is a, a way of celebrating light in the darkness. It was the Victorians, as we know, you know, the Norwegians and Trafalgar Square and was it Prince Albert and there's all kinds of um, Germany. I don't, know, we don't, I don't quite know exactly what the correct story is of where they came from. But the thing about that Christmas tree on the screen and the one in my living room and the ones in the living rooms of those of you who've gone and bought a real one, is that it's dead. Or at least it's dying, isn't it? That is the thing about a, a Christmas tree. Uh, I can keep putting some water on the root on the one in my living room to try and get a few less needles to drop on the carpet. Maybe you've got one of those Nordic fir ones, which is supposed not to do that, at least for a few weeks. Uh, I can cover it in decorations and lights, which I have done to make it look as beautiful as possible. And it'll probably last until at least January the 5th when it's time to take it down. But its days are numbered, aren't they? Its days are numbered because it's no longer connected to its roots. Uh, and like that, it cannot survive. And the reason that I think inadvertently this makes it such a helpful symbol of Christmas is that's just like you and me. It's just like you and me. It's the story of the whole human race. Our Christmas tree, if it's going to live, needs roots, needs to be rooted in the soil to get what it needs to survive. As soon as someone goes into the forest and cuts it down, it is effectively dying. And the Christmas message is this. We have all uprooted ourselves from the goodness that we need 
by being attached, connected to our creator, God. Uh, In all the ways we try to live our lives without depending on him, the ways that we disconnect from the God who loves us. Uh, Like my tree, like the one out there, uh, we can make ourselves look beautiful, can't we? You know, we might get some some nice new jumpers for Christmas. I think I had this one two years ago. Uh, We can, you know, have our hair done. Uh, We can make ourselves look as beautiful and presentable as possible. But like my tree, in the end, underneath, we're all doomed without him. The good news of Christmas is that he still loves us. And so what does the Lord Jesus, our maker, do when he sees that we have wandered off and are dying without him? What does he do? Does he cut us loose? Does he say, all right, have it your own way? Do you think you're better off without me? Your choice? Of course he doesn't, does he? He steps down into the world that he has made. He comes to find us. We may ignore God, but Christmas says to us, he is not ignoring us. Which is why at the end of our Bible reading this morning, we heard those famous words that it's so easy to skip over and not notice just what they mean because they're so famous. But just pause and think about them for a moment. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The God of the universe came to find us and he came as a weak and vulnerable little baby. Uh, And that gives us hope. Uh, Out of the darkness, he brings light. And through Advent, we've been lighting more and more candles as a representation of that. Uh, Where there is death, he brings life. And so our Christingles are there to remind us of this. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen.